What is up, everyone? Welcome to the Fleet Maintenance and Management Podcast, where we interview fleet managers and business owners across various industries. Our goal is to help make your fleet operations more efficient by hearing tips, best practices, and other insights from experienced individuals. I'm your host, Zarain Abdiali, and let's get ready to rock and roll. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Jason Cannon, who is the equipment editor for CCJ and Overdrive Magazine. Today, we're going to be doing a little bit of a different type of interview. I know typically we're interviewing uh, fleet managers and business owners, but we thought that Jason had a lot of insights to provide specifically around uh, inspections, uh, pre-trip inspections. So we're really excited to have Jason on and kind of share his experiences. Uh, Jason, are you there? Uh, Welcome. Hi, thank you very much. Great. Jason, just to get kick things start, um, kind of get things started, can you tell us a little bit about you, your background, your role over there, and kind of your experiences um, uh, within the industry? Uh, well, my role here as equipment editor for CCJ and Overdrive Magazine is I do all of, well, I say I do all, I do most of the equipment-related articles. Uh, that includes the truck itself, articles about the truck itself, articles about hard parts, uh, maintenance practices, uh, any sort of maintenance training, you know, that, that type stuff. Um, I have a class A CDL. I've had a CDL for about three years. Uh, I do all of our test drives, uh, for class eight equipment and also for vocational trucks and pickups. Um, and my background is, uh, I've been with, uh, Randall Riley, uh, the company that I work for now for about six years. Uh, before that, I worked in the newspaper industry, um, got a degree in journalism and that's just kind of how I got my career started and how I kind of walked it to, to where I am today. Very cool. So, so I know we're going to be focusing on inspections today. So, um, I know a lot of our listeners are maybe doing inspections manually on paper. Um, I know some people obviously have software that they use. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of the trends in the industry or anything you can touch on with uh, where it goes to inspections? Are most people doing this electronically now or are a lot of people still doing it on paper? Or what have you seen through through kind of your research? Um, there are a couple of apps, if you want to call them that, that, that you can use to, to put some, uh, some electronics into your pre-trip inspections. I think most people really, there's not a lot of accounting to it. A lot of folks don't even use, uh, checklists or cheat sheets of any kind. Um, if you've got a trained driver, they pretty much know, you know, what points they have to hit. They know what all the inspection points are. Uh, some of the um, inspection points, if you use some of the, the, the platforms that, that that allow you some, um, I don't want to, I don't know, I wouldn't call it so much telematic, but it's, um, they're, they're QR, a lot of them are QR code based and they put a QR code on an inspection point. The driver has to scan that QR code. What that tells the fleet is that the driver has physically looked at that particular component. It doesn't necessarily say that he's inspected it. Um, I think the impetus there is if the guy's looking at it, he would notice if it was leaking, he would notice if it was cracked. But there's really no way to quantify whether or not that actually does happen. The only thing it does is those platforms create a record that said driver X. Uh, it shows on here that driver X inspected um, the, the, the the kingpin. Okay, but you know what? Did he actually look at it or did he just scan the QR code and did he walk away? Um, 
you know, it, it, just because you've got one of those platforms, it does give you some measure of accountability that, that the driver is walking around the truck. Uh, I don't know that it gives you a lot of layers of detail that says this is what they were looking at, this is what they were looking for, uh, and this is what they saw. Uh, I think if you talk to a lot of fleet managers, they'll say that all of their drivers do a great pre-trip by, you know, and, and they know what they're looking at, but they may or may not know what they're looking for. Um you know, if, if you're looking, you, you do your, when you pre-trip your brakes, okay, your driver's going to say, yeah, I pre-trip my brakes every day. Well, what are you looking for? Uh, and that's so, when you get so, it. To- so hold on. So, so that comes, is that more of a coaching uh, opportunity there then where the fleet managers need to coach them of what to look for or how do people get around that, that issue? They're just kind of looking at it. I think you have to train your drivers in the way you want it done. I mean, there, there, there is a minimum standard of what a pre-trip inspection has to be. And I think if you're training a pre-trip inspection has to be, is this reference to, cause I know we have a lot of users or a lot of listeners and across a lot of different industries. Are you specifically more referring to like the trucking industry? Is that where your kind of your forte is, or is this kind of across the board, like a broad generalization? Um, if you can answer that, I'm not sure. It would be on truck and trailer, anything, the articulated truck and trailer. I would imagine there's a pre-trip for a, a bus, a school bus, passenger bus. I, I don't I don't have anything to do with that. Sure. Um, and I don't know exact, exactly what that is. But on, a, on an over-the-road truck, on the tractor and the trailer, there's somewhere around 140, 147 inspection points. Wow. So 147 inspection. I'm just writing these things. Okay. 147 inspection points. And where right. does someone go? Like, is this common knowledge that people in this industry, especially in the trucking of where you're kind of discussing, is this pretty common knowledge that they know what these 147 points are on their resources where they can find this? It should have been at one point because um, pre-tripping a truck is part of your CDL. Uh, to get your CDL, you have to pre-trip a truck. I mean, that's part of the course. Okay. Uh, what, what I think you run into is that um, you really focus on that once you've passed the test it becomes just one more thing you have to deal with. Um, you know, while you're working to get your CDL, you, you've got to pass the test. That That's a significant portion of the, of the program. But once you've got your CDL, it's just one more thing you have to do. Right. So I think some of the, some of the detail, some of the attention to detail tends to slide a little bit that, you know, you say basically, yeah, I've, I've pre-tripped my brakes. Well, what were you looking for? I was just checking to make sure everything was okay. What is a brake that's not okay? What does it look like? Uh, well, they're, they're, it's the, the pads cracked. Okay. Yeah, that's right. It is. What else? Uh, I don't know. Well, you know, the slack adjuster bent, uh, you know, it's, there's, there's lots of things that, that could be wrong with your brakes to make them, uh, fall out of, uh, CSA compliance. It's, it's not necessarily just, you know, cracked friction. It could be a lot of things and you just need to make sure that your drivers understand what, what they're, and I, I keep saying brakes just because there's multiple sure, pieces to sure, that. Sure, sure. But they need to understand that looking at it's not pre-tripping it. Looking at it's part of it. Evaluating it's the rest of it. So, so that's um, a really good point. So in your experience, is it now obviously training is there and, you know, coaching, training, all that is very important. But have you seen uh, maybe making a more detailed inspection checklist to look for these different parameters? Maybe you have breaks and then you have kind of uh, line items under breaks of all the different things. Does that help? And have you seen that help with, with maybe a more detailed inspection checklist? 
I don't know a lot of fleets that do that. A lot of the fleets that I talk to, they say that that would be great. It would be awesome. They wish they had it. They wish they had time to implement it, and they wish they had time to manage it. I, I think what you run into with uh, some of your larger fleets is these guys are stopping in different terminals. They're talking to different people. Each terminal's got a different maintenance manager who's got a different technician crew. Um, and this guy may be domiciled in Omaha, Nebraska, but he's pulled into Seattle, Washington. And there's just so many caveats and so many reasons that that, that, that complicates the follow-up and something like that, that uh, a lot of the fleets that I talk to, some of the best successes that they've had with getting higher quality pre-trips is incentivizing drivers to perform them. And the way you incentivize pre-trip inspections is you incentivize them for uptime and you incentivize clean roadside inspections. Um, you know, that's not to say a driver that hasn't performed a pre-trip in a month doesn't pull through the scale house, gets pulled over and gets a clean inspection. That very well may happen. But when there's a, a hundred dollar bonus on the line for every clean roadside inspection, you've really provided that driver some some incentive to spend that, you know, 20, 30 minutes uh, to really go over that truck and trailer because if he gets pulled over, depending on what the violation is, he's either going to get points or he's going to be placed out of service. You don't want to be placed out of service because that's a huge impact to your revenue. You don't, and the driver obviously doesn't want points because you accumulate too many points, you, you'll be terminated. Yeah. But if you get pulled over for an inspection and the driver passes the inspection, the fleet hands him a hundred dollars. You know, once word gets out on that, that depending on how many times you get dinged in a year, that could be five or $600 on the back end of your paycheck just for doing something you were supposed to be doing anyway. Right. So no, those are great points. So I, the, the takeaway I got from was really incentivizing uh, the drivers to, to do this and, and, and in relation to cost and downtime, I know you touched a little bit about that. And I know obviously cost is a very, uh, you know, uh, a detailed road we can go down, but every, every person's going to be different. Every fleet's going to be different, but you mentioned downtime. Do you have any statistics, anything general that uh, you could share with the audience about like the downtime or the operational kind of impact? Do you have any, uh, anything you can touch on there? Because I, obviously that that's a huge deal for, for fleets, right? For fleet managers. Well, it, the, the impact would, would depend on the violation. I mean, there are violations to where you just, you get written up, you get cited and you get turned loose. Okay. Um, but there are out of service um, events. That like what would mean out of service, like where your brakes are like not, proper like you were mentioning or what would be some some big out of service ones that would put you in 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 deep trouble uh if you've got a underinflated tire if the dot inspects your tires and your tire has less than 50 percent of its maximum pressure rating that's eight points that's an automatic out of service violation okay. that truck is parked okay so tires obviously that's, easy, that's an easier fix than a brake um, you know, you call your fleet manager, maybe they dispatch road squad or somebody out to you. They put a new tire on that truck. You know, everything's you're back on the road in a handful of hours. But road calls are expensive. Tires are expensive. Right. And had that had that driver done a pre-trip and had noticed that 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 his tire was was legally considered flat under anything under 20 percent of uh, max pressure is usually is generally considered a flat tire. 50% is the cutoff where the DOT says this tire is unsafe. Right. So when you take into account the downtime associated with changing that tire, which would be a handful of hours, uh, the expense of the new tire, the expense of the road call, that might be, let's say the road call is probably going to be $600. The tire is going to be three or four, depending on what brand you buy. And then six hours of downtime. So you've probably lost $1,500 maybe just off of one tire that has – 
less than 50% of its max pressure in it. That seems something that, to me, that seems really silly. That's something that could have been caught in the yard. You know, maybe, maybe it goes flat. Maybe you, you run over a nail or something like that and it's going flat over the road. But I don't get the sense that that's very common. I, I get the sense that tire left the yard underinflated and it increasingly got more underinflated. That's something that could have been caught before the truck ever left. You could have fixed it for pennies on the dollar. So that's that's real good, Jason. That's really good information there. So so basically what you're saying is obviously being proactive. So how how have you seen people successfully been proactive? I know we talked about software. Obviously, you know, we have, you know, the Autosys software and other software that's out there. What what have you seen been successful for people to uh, other than the training part of it, like actually implement and execute something that's sustainable and can be scaled? as their fleet grows and, you know, things like that. What have you seen the best success? Uh, it goes back to the incentivizing. Um, I think everybody that has, has incorporated some sort of incentive program is enjoying fairly wild success. The, the guys who want to make more money, those, ten, those, those guys tend to be the guys who are more passionate about making, making money for themselves. Regardless uh, if it's electronic or paper or whatever, it's just whatever needs to get done gets done. Have you seen it been – a more streamlined when it's electronic or anything like that, or because like that's what everybody's kind of going toward is electronic, right? No, I mean it's not the the incentive portion doesn't take into account how the inspection is done. It's just it takes into account that you've gotten a clean roadside inspection, right? I mean the fleet guy, the fleet manager is not going to say, well, this guy did an electronic one, so you know he gets a hundred dollars. That guy's going to come back with his slip and say, hey man, I passed the scale house inspection yesterday, and that guy's going to go, okay, here's a hundred dollars, right? And that, that, from the fleet manager's perspective, I don't think they care. That that's a visual indicator. That's a tangible indicator that that guy is performing pre-trip inspections. I mean, if he's going to get caught running with a with with, with a light out, or he's going to get running with bad brakes, or a cracked leaf spring, or something like that, he's going to get caught at those roadside inspections. Right. And when that driver comes back following a clean inspection, that should tell you. One of two things, if not two of two things, that your driver caught whatever potential issues they were before that truck left the yard or the maintenance people are catching it before it leaves the yard. In any case, that's a win. Those guys are those guys are on the payroll anyway. They're looking for something to do. So they might as well be finding and fixing issues before the DOT finds. Yep. No, that's great. So, Jason, just kind of wrapping up before we wrap up and I kind of ask you some closing questions here. Any other information you'd like to share with our audience that you haven't kind of touched on. I know uh, obviously we, we went over a, a quite a few things and I think there was a lot of great information being said here. Anything else we didn't touch on that you, you'd like to share through your research with, with the audience? Well, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things we could touch on here. I mean, it, I don't know, um, you know, if, if you're not timing your driver's pre-trip inspections, I would suggest timing them. Uh, if anybody says they can do a good one in under 30 minutes, I would challenge them. Um, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm just saying it should take around 30 minutes. If somebody says I can do it in 10 minutes, they've missed a bunch of things. Uh, you think about 147 points. You can probably look at 147 different things in 10 minutes. You can't touch it, pull on it, evaluate it for a crack. Um, you know, and I'm talking about the pre-trip levels above tire thumping. You know, the, what, you need to check pressures at, at, at least on, on a pre and or a post trip. It takes you know five minutes to do it. Uh, I would do it on my pre's and my posts. 
but it should take a solid 30 minutes. If you've got drivers that, that, that call you, if you have a driver meeting and say, you know, how long are you guys spending on pre-trips? Everybody that says five minutes, 10 minutes needs to be retrained. That's almost impossible. Um, getting, getting back into some of the training and some of the importance of your pre-trip, um, there's a CVSA's annual break safety week is in like two weeks. I think it's September the 16th. Mm -hmm. Um, when the CVSA had their uh, break safety day in April, uh, they put 1,600 trucks and buses out of service. That was that was over 11,000 inspections and 1,500 commercial vehicles were placed out of service. That was 14% of every truck they looked at was put out of service. Wow. So that's a lot. I mean, that's that's a lot of equipment coming off the road over you know a span of basically 24 hours. I think it was April the 25th. Wow. So, you know, you're looking at a CV on the, the, the CSA violations, brake related problems are six of the top 20 spots for the most frequent violations found on roadside inspection. You asked me earlier about how critical something like that is and how many the, the components and the nature of it. Six of the top 20 spots are brake related violations. Wow. Then you get into tires. I mean, we'd already covered that, you know, anything with less than 20 percent of the max pressure is considered flat. Well, we had talked a little bit about some of the costs. Well, tire inflation is probably the most important issue and one of the biggest causes of blown tires. And, and that goes back to tires are expensive. When they blow on the side of the road, that's downtime. Um, we've gotten into the, uh, the eight-point out-of-service violation. If it's under 50% of max pressure, that's, that's mandated downtime. You're not going anywhere until that gets fixed. Right. Um, but, you know, a lot of the problem with, associated with tire inflation is that it, it change if it's overinflated or if it's underinflated, that changes the footprint of that tire. So that makes it more susceptible to premature or irregular wear. So if, you know, if, you're, if your goal is to get 80,000 miles or 100,000 miles, whatever it is out of that tire, if it's overinflated or underinflated, you've changed the footprint of the tire you're probably not going to get the maximum life out of that tire because it's not designed to run that way. I know guys that <clears throat> that, that that run them overinflated to get uh, a harder steer. Well, that's not what they're for. That's why there's a max rating on the tire. If you've got a, a difference of a five psi on your steer tires, that's going to cause your your truck to pull to the side with the lower pressure. So if your driver is going down the road and he feels like he's fighting the truck that wants to drag to the left. He probably had, or he, I say probably, he potentially could have low air pressure in the left tire. All he's got to do is get out and check it. It's pretty easy. Right. The, the next big thing is lights. And surprisingly enough, those are the easiest things to see. But lights account for about 30% of all CSA violations. Uh, it, it, and it's a visible indicator for the DOT. It tells them that, that this truck is probably not up to spec in several places. Because lights are the easiest thing to catch on a pre-trip inspection. So if I'm a DOT guy and I walk up to your truck and you've got marker lights out, that automatically tells me this guy didn't do the easy things. He sure enough didn't do the hard things. And I'm going over your truck with a fine tooth comb and it's not going to be a good day for you. <laughs> right. right. But and it, and it goes down to you know your, your conspicuously tape is considered it, it's technically considered a light. So you have to keep that clean. You have to keep it replaced. You, know, you see all these old trailers going down the side with the conspicuously tape torn. Well, that needs to be replaced. <clears throat> um, 
same thing with reflectors. You know, reflectors, they get cracked. They need to be replaced. They get dirty. They need to be wiped off. I mean, anything that's covered with dirt, anything that's covered with grime, that it, if it's cracked, if it's, I mean, obviously if it's missing, it's not going to do its job. And all these things are mandated it, it, by the CVA, uh, CSA to perform a, a certain task. If they're not there, they're not functioning properly. They're not performing that task. Uh, lighting violations are about six points apiece. Headlights and taillights are automatic out-of-service violations. And I've seen them before. I'm sure you have, too. You've seen tractors going down the road with one headlight. You know, maybe that thing, maybe it just, the guy hit a pothole. Maybe it vibrated one, you know, blown the bulb. I get it. I know that happens. DOT doesn't care. That's an automatic out-of-service violation. Jason, you weren't kidding about adding. You had a lot more to add on. (laughs) There's a lot of good information here. Well, I think it's it's a lot of fundamental education, and I think a, a, a lot of fundamental information. And I think it's a lot of stuff the guys that, that listen to your podcast understand. But I wonder how deep does it filter down? When your fleet manager knows it, does the maintenance guy know it on that level? Does the maintenance guy train his people to know it on that level? You know, are you just going out saying, okay, guys, I just want to make sure we're all doing quality pre-trips? Right. Yes, sir, we are. All our pre-trips are great. Yeah, probably not. They're probably doing them. Probably doing them. I've talked to uh, several fleet managers and I ask them, how many of your fleet, how many of your drivers do you feel like do a pre-trip inspection? And all of them say almost 100%. We feel confident that they happen. So I follow up with how many of your drivers do you feel like do what you would consider a high quality pre-trip inspection? And they say, we hope it's close to half. Wow. Well, very good, Jason. So, so if people want to kind of read read your you know your your stuff online or or, or contact you if you're comfortable giving that out, how, how would people find you online? Uh, well, you can. My articles are posted to CCJ uh, CCJDigital.com. Okay. And and Overdrive overdriveonline.com. And I'll put those in the show notes too, guys. So if anyone wants to uh, follow up and, and read more about uh, Jason's work and maybe even uh, there are probably some ways to contact him there. I mean, obviously he has a wealth of information uh, regarding this topic. So Jason, again, I just want to kind of summarize. We really appreciate you coming on, but the kind of the three takeaways, I know we talked about a lot of good stuff here is, you know, the, 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 the three buckets I put it in is when you're on the inspections to measure the time you talked about how important it is to have detailed inspections to make sure, you know, when you're just checking brakes, you know, what are exactly are you checking? And that kind of relates to uh, the next bucket, which comes to training, uh, having people trained properly and thoroughly and making sure that they understand, you know, what they're doing and why they're doing it and, and all the different parameters. And then to kind of set up a successful inspection and, and implementation, you've talked about uh, incentivizing uh, the drivers or whoever is doing the inspection. So those are kind of the three buckets that I put it in. Uh, obviously, there was a ton of information here. Uh, again, thank you so much for your time. Uh, we really appreciate it, and I'll, I'll link everything up in the show notes and uh, uh, for everyone to kind of see. And, and again, thanks again for being on. All right. Well, I appreciate right. it. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for listening. To learn more about how we can help simplify your fleet maintenance and management, visit us at our website at autosyst.com.